Hello everyone, and welcome to Queer Beats to Overanalyze and Get Anxious To. This is a music podcast that focuses on artists that aren't heterosexual and or cisgender. I'm your queer host, Ben Wayne, and I use he, him pronouns. Now, let's talk some tunes. Today's episode is about the 2009 album For Your Entertainment by Adam Lambert. For those of you who may not know, Adam Lambert is a vocalist who rose to fame during the eighth season of American Idol, but didn't end up winning, in my humble opinion, probably for the best, because aside from him and Kelly Clarkson, I don't think, uh, Clay Aiken, I guess, but isn't he like a senator now? Regardless, a very select few of American Idol people have actually gone on to still maintain relevance, I guess. Uh, he's had a very successful solo career. I think he just released his fifth, no, fourth, fourth album in 2020 called Velvet. It is very good. I highly recommend it. And he's also toured with the remaining members of Queen as the frontman for several years, which can't deny the, the vocal talent and the abilities of that man. So first and foremost, why did I pick this album? Well, to me, this is the very first openly gay or queer album I ever experienced when I was in high school. It was very eye-opening to me because until that point I was only listening to cisgender heteronormative white dudes mostly rock and this is like a pop rock album that gets in your ear like an earworm and it was incredible and I still really enjoy it like after listening to it again I was like wow what a debut and so I figure I'd start this podcast with this album because this album means a lot to me because it was my first introduction to what queer art and queer music can be. And it was just very uh, revelatory for me to experience. One of the main things, if you pull up the album, it's just very in your face with him accepting his femininity with the makeup and the very 2009 looking airbrushed, almost doll-like face. And I remember being younger and not fully comfortable with my femininity and being very weird about looking at it because it was just like, oh, he's a guy, but he's wearing makeup and he's like really feminine and he's making us, and I'm doing huge air quotes, normal gays or queers like a bad image because he's looking all femme when I didn't realize that was my own internalized misogyny and that, yeah, men can't be feminine because being feminine is bad. It was very confronting with that in and of itself of just the album art. And so I, I think already it was just very powerful for me as a young teenager to experience some gay shit. I hope you've listened to it or you've heard of it. Um, the most popular single from that album is What Do You Want From Me? I'm not really going to cover that because it's not my favorite song on the album. And speaking of the album, I like to identify this as a pop rock album. I don't think it's pure pop because there are some songs like Strut, Surefire Winners, and Aftermath that have really driving guitars. And especially with Aftermath, it has a very ballad-like quality, which is closely associated with rock over pop. So I would identify this album as a pop slash rock album. And if you disagree with me, that's totally fine. I welcome any and all feedback, and I'm more than happy to see what your reasoning is for why it is or is not a certain genre. Now, I'm only going to choose a few songs to pick apart 
because if I did every single song on the album, we'd be here for hours and no one has time for that. So I'm just going to pick a few that I think are really interesting and worth mentioning and just talk about them a little bit. The songs I'm going to look at are For Your Entertainment, Fever, Sleepwalker, and then I'm going to talk about my feelings about the last song on the album, Time for Miracles. So let's get started with For Your Entertainment. I think For Your Entertainment is a great poppy song that has lyrics dealing with you know, explicit BDSM type deals. Bondage, domination, slave master, femdoms, all that kind of good stuff for my kinky listeners or for people that aren't familiar. Look it up. You may find something within yourself and that's totally okay. I'm not going to yuck your yum. You enjoy what you want. But I find it really interesting that it talks about that because I can't help but wonder from some of the lyrics if it's not him directly addressing us as the audience of, you know, he's here for your entertainment, which would be us, because his literal career and livelihood is dependent on entertaining us. And I think it's interesting having that juxtaposition of not only pain and pleasure, but also weaving in sexuality with the almost voyeuristic quality of the relationship he has with his audience, which would be us. We also need to remember, for those of us that were around during that time or paid attention, he had a pretty vanilla look for American Idol. He was the quote-unquote edgy one because he wore eye makeup and he had black hair, but he didn't really have much to really go in forms of explicit sexuality or being more vocal about who he was. And so this album... He comes right out and says, I'm here for your entertainment, but I'm also going to talk about, you know, making you take the pain, take the pleasure. I'm the master of both. Lastly, I think this also sets the tone for the rest of the album, which is bold, brash, and challenging the assumptions of his image as a gay man. Not only often and still to this day is the case that gay, queer, or trans identities are either used in tragic forms of media or are non-sexual and watered down to the point of barely existing. And so I think it's a really cool challenge to be like, hey, I'm here, I'm gay, I'm going to talk about BDSM shit, and I'm going to have a really catchy song about it, and you're going to be entertained by it. And the rest of the album is going to be dealing with themes like this. So I think that's really powerful and I think it's a great, catchy song. The next song I'm going to look at is Fever, which for me was one of the earliest songs that explicitly used he pronouns with a male vocalist. And I think what's so powerful for that, there's no ambiguity with it. There is no just saying you or I miss what we had or just kind of using very vague terms to identify relationship it straight up says he and again as a younger kid in 2009 around that time at least from what i was aware of there wasn't a whole lot of gay or queer music that was explicitly saying that i mean we had lady gaga's poker face which was kind of alluding to that until she came out later as bisexual there's very little extra music around that time and i know for the band years and years I can't remember his name. I think his first name is Ollie. He talks about wanting to use explicit pronouns because he never really got that in music. And I think this is also one of the reasons, like this is one of the very few albums and musical tracks that I heard as a teenager that straight up was like, hey, I'm a dude, I'm a cis man, I'm interested in another guy. And I also think the musicality of this song also gives off strong Scissor Sisters vibes 
that have a blend of rock and roll and electronic elements, and I think they mash very beautifully. When dealing with the lyrics, this felt especially prescient to me in high school, because one of the lyrics is, oh baby, lights on, but your mom's not home, I'm sick of laying down alone. Now, I feel like if this was told from the perspective of an adult, talking about another person's mom being home or not doesn't really equate if that makes sense. Like, I don't know, I'm almost 30 and I'm not really talking to other people like, oh, your mom's not home, then let's get together. I think this has more of a playful youth vibe to it because it is talking about that. And I think, again, definitely hit me right in the heart as, as a teenager because that's more of an issue of like, oh, are your parents home? Like, can we do stuff? And depending on how, you know, how the parent views sex, not only just quote-unquote regular sex, or it could also be about the, the mom or the parent's view on sex and even shushed, hushed queer sex or gay sex. So it could also be like, hey, we finally have a moment to be ourselves together. Growing up and where I was at in 2009, I wasn't very confident being open and out about who I was. Next up is Sleepwalker, which is a great breakup song. And by great, I mean if you want to keep being sad, then listen to this on repeat. To all my Pisces babes, I'm a Pisces moon, so I love that kind of shit even when I'm in a good relationship and when I'm happy. So I feel you for wanting this just because. So the soft strings in the opening and the slow drum beat with a ghostly guitar before Lambert's haunting vocals tell us the story of him post-breakup is beautiful. Again, hit me with that sad shit all the time. I think what's so wonderful about this song is that not only does the accompaniment and arrangement really weave together that feeling of loss and morose. Hopefully you understand me when I say like it just gives off the impression of gray. The lyrics really expand upon the wounding loss of a relationship. And for any of you that have been broken up with, have broken up with people, or lost a partner, it's rough. You may feel like you can't go to certain places because the memories are too strong and or you don't want to see the person there, especially if you were the one that was broken up with. You know, it's, it's hard to disentangle positive memories from places. And even if the relationship ended, those positive memories are still there. And so that it kind of feels like an ironic twist of the knife to have those positive memories after having something so devastating, because then it's even more bittersweet. I love that it is the chorus is him saying, I'm a sleepwalker, because yeah, for a period and the length is different for everyone, especially if it was a very important relationship to you, you walk through life and you just exist. You don't live, you don't pursue anything, you're just kind of on autopilot. And when you sleepwalk, you don't remember anything, and I can, I think the lyrics are really good with the music to give that impression of just being dull. I think that's what it is, being dull. Just feeling like your spark has kind of faded a little bit because of something so painful that happened, and because like a spider web, it hits and attaches to so many things, and sometimes you don't even realize it until the thing happens, like triggers, or like going to a place, or certain dates, or certain things you do, or like, oh, damn, I used to do this with, you know, insert that person's name, or names, and be like, wow, yeah, it just, and, and, and it can ruin present day times, and so yeah, I, I love this song, <laughs> I think, I think this and Fever actually are my favorite songs on the album. And the last song I want to focus on is the final one in the album, titled Time for Miracles. Now, 
While technically, sonically, and vocally it sounds great, I really don't like it. It feels so out of place in comparison with the rest of the album because unlike the aftermath being, in my opinion, a ballad, Time for Miracles is another ballad, but it feels so much more like like it either wasn't part of the recording sessions for this album or it was written by people that weren't really working on this album. It feels very much like a separate song. And I know it was released as a single for the Disaster Movie 2012. Remember when 2012 was supposed to be the end of the world? Ha! Joke's on you. It was actually 2016 and then again in 2020. So yeah, it does feel very distinctly different from the rest of the album. And I feel like the the vibes and the flow of the album just kind of hits a very abrupt stop to do this time for miracles. Now I'm not saying it's not a great song and I'm not saying that it's not good. I just think it is a very poor final track on an album. It just feels very generic to be honest with you. And I felt like Broken Open was a wonderful slow album closing track that was equally haunting and beautiful that fit with the rest of the themes of the album. And this just felt kind of slapped on. But that's my opinion. If you love it, that's great. I'm happy for you, and if you think I'm an asshat for saying that kind of thing, that's totally fine too. You're more than welcome to have your opinion. That's what's so great about music. So that's kind of my breakdown of the album For Your Entertainment by Adam Lambert. I would love to hear what your opinions are if, you know, you're listening to it for the first time because of this podcast. That's wonderful. You know, flatters my ego. Let me know what you think. If you hate it, if you liked it, if you nothing did, if you well i guess those are kind of the only options but yeah let me know what you thought of the album what you think of the songs and what your feelings are about it and feel free to share stories if this also holds a special place in your heart like it does for me so i think now it's time for me to wrap it up thank you so much for listening and please feel free to reach out with your own interpretations opinions or queer music recommendations on twitter at queer beats or you can send an email to queerbeatspodcast at gmail.com I hope you have a great day and you keep those positive vibes going. Take care.